they have an actual business plan and not just go to open for inspections on a Saturday and think you're going to pick up a great development site. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello and welcome back to the Property Developer Podcast, a show dedicated to inspiring you to become a better, faster and more profitable property developer, whether you're doing a four-unit site or a boutique apartment block. Today I'm speaking with Sunhok Kao, another developer I know who is doing some great projects and beginning to take his developing to the next level. Sunhok does projects with his brother Sonchi and together they run HWD Homes. In this chat we discuss how the guys have gone from doing renovations to currently having five sites under their control and in various stages of development. Sunhok shares a couple of tips around how he and his brother stay on track with their plans and the one thing they do each week that you can do straight away to help take you to the next level. I started off by asking Sunhok, if he was in a rock band, which member would he be? If I was a rock and roll band, yeah, probably a guitar player, I reckon. Yeah, lead guitar? Yeah. Was Not that? that I can play it. I don't know. I just thought it would be always cool to play the guitar. You didn't fancy yourself as a bit of a front man? Uh, I'm not really a singer. <laughs> what about you? Um, I reckon I'd probably fancy myself on the bass. Yeah, okay. Yeah. S- strumming away, keeping keeping the <laughs> rhythm. <clears throat> yeah, singing's not my thing. I'll leave that to the experts. <laughs> leave that to your brother. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sunhok, can you tell us a little bit about your developing background? So how did you get started, developments you've done? Or that you're doing? So I do all my investing with uh, my brother, who's my business partner as well. Yeah, and I've, I've always had a keen interest in uh, property investing. So I think I actually got started by reading uh, Steve McKnight's book that, like everyone else, that zero to 130 properties in three and a half years. Yeah, so me and my brother went off and bought a few uh, reno jobs and then sort of graduated from renos and bought our first development site um, uh, I'm trying to think back how long it's been. It's probably been about seven years now. Um, yeah, that was pretty much how we got started in it. We just sort of, um, yeah, toyed with uh, property investing, did some renovations, then ended up buying a block which we realized we could fit a house in the back of. So that, that was our first site. So it was a Dulux. We just put a house at the back of a, um existing house. That seemed to work out okay. And that was sort of our um, our first apprenticeship, if you want to call it. And then, then from that point, we... We bought an actual development site, which we actually had plans to develop and not just renovate and just to do whatever we end up doing with it. So how many renovation projects did you do? Uh, we did two initially, and they were in sort of the lower socioeconomic areas, just cheap buy-ins and just to get a feel for property, yeah, really. And did you do a lot of the work yourself on that? Yeah, we did. And then with the site that you added one on the back, yep. what, what experience had you had before doing that in terms of getting planning permit and design? Um, we had zero. So we sort of uh, just winged it actually. It was, it, was a, it was probably a good experience to do it ourselves. We basically just went to a drafty and a surveyor and just asked them, what do we do? We want to put a house at the back. So we're pretty lucky at that time because the buying prices, um, this is up in Heidelberg West, the, the buying prices back then was, um, I can't remember, was I think it was low 300s, 330000 or something for like a house with a bit of land at the back, something that you couldn't get anymore in this market. 
So, yeah, so it was pretty, yeah, so we just winged it and lucky it worked out. Okay, and then your first development site was how big and what did you put on there? So our actual first one was a three-unit development site. So it was three double-story townhouses. So the front unit was a three-bed and the back two were two-bedders. And that was in the same area as well. So that was in um, Heidelberg, Heidelberg Heights. It was a good learning experience. So yeah, that was our first site that we actually had intentions of developing. But even at that time, we were pretty new to it. We probably... We actually bought it not knowing how many we could get on there. So so in some instances, we were, uh, I guess you could call it lucky, but it was a good learning experience to go in there and do it ourselves. I think the thing was we started small and started with low, we want to call it low purchase price properties, just so if there was any mistakes, it would be small. So how did you work your way through the process in terms of buying a site and getting plans and permits for three? If you, had, if you hadn't, didn't really have much experience, um, our main point of contact was a drafty that we that we had some contact with up that way, and he sort of guided us through the process. So he, he actually recommended to us, I think, the surveyor, engineer, and the builder, and we just opened up the yellow pages actually back then and just spoke to quite a lot of people. So I think once you got the right contacts, the process is actually quite fluent and quite easy. Okay, and what would you say you learned from that experience? I think the main thing is you got to make sure you do your numbers, number one, and I think you got to keep your um, eye on the ball when it comes to developing because everything just takes a lot longer than it should. I mean, that, I mean, that deal should have taken us 18, 18 to 12 months, but it probably took us, I reckon it took us three years to do, and it's only a three-unit site. So that was probably at council for 18 months, that site. And had you done numbers before you started? Yeah, we did do numbers, but they'll they're pretty pretty rough numbers because we didn't have a lot to go on at that stage. So we we had we did have some decent numbers, but and a lot of the build costs and that. I mean, especially coming from someone who hasn't done it before, trying to go to a builder and obtain costings. It's I know people say you need to speak to builders, but I think it's almost impossible because not a lot of them are going to give you the time of day, or they they're just going to throw funny figures at you, but. But we did have numbers, and I think that's the main part. Like your numbers aren't going to be always one hundred percent accurate, but you need to have some numbers that you aim aim for at least. And so you wrapped up the three unit development, and mm-hmm. then what? We actually stopped developing for a while. Yeah, we just took it sort of comfortable and sort of took our eyes off the ball, so to speak. It probably wasn't our strategy of choice back then, but then we actually did some other investing. So can you tell us a little bit about how you moved from doing it yourself to getting some mentoring? Yeah, so, so at that stage, we we pretty much um, we had a discussion and said, are we going to do this seriously or not? If we do, let's get a, a proper coach mentor and um, actually give it a proper shot. Because we, we were just, to be honest, we, we weren't serious developers back then. We were just dabbling in um, developing just as an investment strategy. So we weren't actually – we had no – actual set goals of how many we wanted to do, um, whether we wanted to do it full-time or anything. It was more out of interest than anything. Yeah, so from that point, we, we said, oh, if we're going to do it properly, we're going to get ourselves a coach. So we went out and got that. And then we said, oh, if we're going to pay for this coach, we're going to have to put our full-time effort into it or at least as much as we can. So that's where um, we started taking it seriously. So that's probably only been um, the last four or five years, four years. And how would you describe the difference between what you were doing before and then after you'd been through the mentoring program? It was probably more more targeted and more structured. So we actually had um, goals and aims. So we didn't 
we weren't just looking for for properties. Like back then, we would have looked at a development site and thought, okay, that's not going to work. Let's look at a renovation or let's look at doing a subdivision, that sort of stuff. Whereas now we're just actually solely focused on developing itself and not trying to um, spread ourselves across too many different strategies. So we've yeah, so we've picked the strategy of developing. It's actually what we think we're good at and what we actually have a keen interest in. Doing the mentoring just yeah made it a lot more structured, almost into like you have processes and you view it as a, a business almost. Were there any other key things that you took away from that course? The, the main thing I took away from it was actually just the goal setting and um, actually doing it as a proper developer. Like when I say proper developer, running it as an actual business. Like I think the, the developing process is actually quite basic and I'm not building the house, I'm getting someone else to build it. I think a lot of it is just project managing and as long as you can get the business structure right, I think, yeah, I think you can make it work. But I think actually, yeah, I think by doing the course actually just made us have a view that we're going to take this seriously. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't so much the content of the, of the actual mentoring or the course itself. It was actually just more of our mindset of um, how we wanted to treat this business. And not just a part-time side business, but actually something we want to do full-time. And when you said it's important to get the structure right, yep. What is it you mean by that? The business structure that is. Yeah. So, so having the right contacts and people is a um, one of the main ones, and actually having um, a business plan for your for your business. So actually having writing down what you want to do for that year, how many properties you want to buy, how much money you want to make. Um, where are you going to do it? What you know? What sort of target market? All that's like they have an actual business plan, and not just go to open for inspections on a Saturday and think you're going to pick up a great development site. Yeah, so that's sort of what I mean by having a proper structure. And is that something the two of you worked on together, or did you get some outside help on that? Well, through the mentoring program, it's it's helped us in terms of actually setting goals. I think ultimately, it's yeah, it's up to the individual, well, up to the individual or your partner to come together and do it because I think you get as much outside help as you, you can pay for or need but I think um, ultimately unless you can do it yourself, um, I don't think you're ever going to sort of move to the next level. Okay. And how often do you revisit that or look at it? Oh, well, we do a lot on our goals. We probably look at our annual goals sort of every month and look at our goals every week or our weekly goals every week, so to speak. Okay. But we're pretty big on setting targets. Can you give us an example of a weekly goal? So weekly goal might just to be um, just to re- refresh our, for- our cash flow forecast, just to make sure that we've got enough cash to see through a deal and how much we have to um, purchase a deal. That, that could be one of the weekly or daily goals. And would you do that together? No, so we'll split the tasks. So just depending on our strengths, like for instance, I'm, my background is accounting, so I've got a, I've got a pretty good um, brain for numbers. So I do all the sort of number crunching and that sort of thing, all the forecasting for the business. Whereas my brother, he may do all the um, liaising with consultants and builders and stuff like that. He's probably a bit better at that sort of stuff. So yeah, we'll, we'll split it depending on on what we're good at. Okay. And is that something that you articulated early on in your partnership? Who would do what? Yeah. Yeah. And that's all written down. Not written down per se, but we had a we've got a pretty good understanding of what each other's got to do. I mean, if it was an external investor or um, joint venture that we did, we'd definitely have it written down. Yeah, okay. 
All right, so then let's go back to the course. What sites did you start picking up? So what we're focused on mainly in the last four, four or five years has been mainly just our multi, I guess multi-unit townhouse developments. So we haven't gone down the route of high density or apartments. So it's mainly just been in townhouses. So the latest one we've completed has been in um, in Ringwood. So we we actually moved away from where we were before and actually chose an area which we knew quite well. So around the area that we both uh, live. So that deal was just a four unit site. It was pretty to be honest, pretty straightforward. I think it was twelve hundred square meters approximately. We put two double-story units at the front and two single stories at the back with a driveway split, split in the middle. And, yeah, and we've just been doing that sort of stuff at the moment as well. So that's sort of our, what we've been targeting, something that we understand. So how many projects have you completed? So we've completed four with several on the go at the moment. So can you just give us a breakdown of what each of those four are and also the ones that you're working on at the moment? Yeah, oh, they're, they're all quite similar, actually. So so the four we've completed, yeah, they're pretty much identical. So they've either been three or four unit sites. They've either been double-story, three-bedroom townhouses or single-story, two-bedders. And the ones that we are completing now, um, so we've got one starting in Ringwood again. That's a three-unit site, and that's just basically three by three-bedroom, double-story townhouses. Okay, and so how many did you say you, you had under control or underway at the moment? Um, so we've got... Five under our control at the moment. In various stages. Yep. So we've got, what do we got at the moment? So we've got one starting to build. Well, we just signed, we actually just signed the building contract, what was it, two days ago. So that should start to build mid to end of January, I think, by the time we get the building permit. Um, we've got one that we've got a permit for and the other ones we've got it still in council. Okay. So various stages of completion. And how far ahead do you like to plan your developments? In terms of what we have or talking about purchasing new ones? Purchasing new ones. Because you mentioned you've got a plan that you and your brother are working on. How far out does that go? Is that, is that three years or five years, longer? Uh, well, we, we, only do, we only normally do the next year at the moment. We're, we're just finalising our plan for next year. So we, we won't do the, the year after at this stage. I think the five-year, three, two-year plans are good, but I think we get people to get too caught up in them at the moment. But, yeah, so I think if we can achieve next year and get the ball rolling, then we might look to yeah plan um, ahead a bit more. But at this stage, we're just trying to focus on yeah making sure that we hit our current targets because you know a lot of things change throughout the year. Okay, so in total, how many completed and underway have you done since when? So we've completed four, and we've got five underway. That's been within five years. Okay, so you've really accelerated things. Yeah, well, well, that's the plan. I mean, you and I both know how long developing takes. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, so the plan is to uh, get get multiple projects on the go at various stages. Because if you don't, you'll you'll find yourself down the track and you look back and go, "Where's that time gone?" So, are you guys going to stick with the same profile of projects, or are you going to look to expand and try something different in the future? We actually touched on looking at apartments and high-density sites. But I think it was probably, yeah, we felt it was probably the wrong choice for us. We were like, well, we, we've been successful doing these smaller sites and they've been very profitable for us. So we thought, why don't we actually try and maximise this first? And then when we get 
a lot more experience down the track than we might look at doing the bigger sites. I mean, if it, if a big site comes across our table and it's a it's a great deal, then we'll we'll, yeah, we'll definitely do anything to um, purchase it. But yeah, just at this stage, we've just been focusing on what we know and trying not to. I don't know what the word is. It's not really risky, but trying not to um, spread ourselves too thin by by trying too many things. I mean, we found something that kind of works for us, so we're going to stick with it until it doesn't work, I guess. Okay. So given that you've got so many projects on the go, how do you go about financing them? Um, so, so what we're trying to do is actually bring on investors at the moment. So we've been pretty active and looking for either JV partners or money partners, so to speak. But the, the majority of the ones that we've been doing to date have been funded by ourselves so i guess our own equity or cash and then um and the rest funded by the banks just as per normal i think the banks give you what 70 percent and you've got to finance the rest 30 percent yeah i guess heading to the into the future if you want to do more deals and come to a stage where you just have limited capital so we will we would be looking uh, more down the investor investor route can you tell us what you've learned along the way because you've had a pretty interesting journey really uh, i think the main thing is Goal setting, and you got to be serious to do this. I think, I think if you go into developing and want to do one or two deals, I think, and expect to become rich off it, I don't think it's going to work. I think, if you want to become a serious developer, you got to commit to it and actually put all put your time and effort into it. Because it is, while the process is pretty easy, like going getting a permit, going to council, drawing up plans, getting a builder, all that sort of stuff is actually pretty straightforward. The actual project managing and making sure everything works is the the hard part trying to put it all together so i think that's probably been the main thing that i've learned so have you got any tips for people on how they can effectively project manage i think one of the main things is you do you do need to step away and be hands off because i know a lot of people get into developing and then they start getting to the detail they start looking at the like you need to look obviously you need to be across the building contracts and things like that but they get too into the detail of what products they're going to put into the build what sort of taps and that i think you need to step away and actually just have a broad understanding of, of what everyone in your team does and make sure that the timelines that they set they deliver to so obviously once you give it like your you get a, a for instance you get your your draftsman to um draw a set of plans if you don't manage him effectively in terms of his timing that can affect the next person that needs to do their job. So you just got to make sure that you got everything. I think you just got to make sure you got a broad understanding of what everyone does and make sure that they deliver so you can put the whole project together. Because if you can't do that, you'll find that your deal is going to exponentially um, take a lot longer than it should. Have you got any <laughs> tips for how you can make sure people stick to their timeframes and deadlines? Well, this is the hard one. <laughs> <laughs> Each consultant is very uh, different. I mean, yeah, this is this is always going to be a a tricky one. I mean, we've chopped and changed different drafties um, just because of that. But uh, I think you just need sometimes you just need to give them the hard word and just tell them that that you told them that you were told that it's going to take six weeks and you just got to hold them accountable to that. But obviously, when you do your timeline and and planning for your project, you you should be conservative and have some allowance in there for overruns because ultimately that's always going to occur. Yes, I can speak from experience on the unexpected delays or things just take longer than they're expected. Yeah. I guess you get paid to be a problem solver and to have the frustrations of dealing with all these different people. 
And so is there one member on your team that you would consider to be the most important? Yeah, it depends on the stage, actually. Like, I actually think the hardest part of the process is actually getting the permit. I think if you have a good draft, you know, a good town planner, they have got to be one of the key people because if, you, if you've got a bad draftsman and you get stuck in council and all you're doing is getting rejections and bad feedback, then you're going to be there forever. So I think he would have to be one of the key personnel. But I'm not sure if there'd be one single person because I also think that the agent that you choose at the end is a very key player in this as well because he needs to be able to market your project effectively and actually sell and get the prices that you're putting your feasibility. Because if he doesn't believe in your project and all you're doing is getting these prices which are lower than what you expect, then you're going to have a big hit to your numbers. So I think the drafty, the real estate agent, and also, of course, the builder. If you've got a good builder, you're not going to have any headaches in the build process, which is actually what you want because he should be building and you should just be overseeing him. Just paying the bills. Yep, paying the bills and looking for the next deal. If, you're, if your builder is coming to you for issues with build, then, yeah, I think you've got a problem with the builder that you've chosen. Yeah, well, hopefully I won't have that experience. No, I think you, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> So how do you inspire the agent to believe in the project or the product that they're selling for you? It's a very good question, Justin. It's a difficult one to answer, actually. Well, first of all, you, you need to be passionate about your project. So when you speak to the agent, you need to you need to be able to sell your project to the agent for him to be able to sell it to someone else. So, for instance, on our last project, the, the agent had his own sort of um, – fixed marketing strategies that I always adhere by. You know, the sort of two-liner in the realestate.com.au that says three new townhouses for sale. But we actually gave them a marketing pack that we did up. So it had all the sales, all the benefits of the property, all the stuff that, that we think he should be selling. So we actually gave that to him. And so in some respects, we did a lot of the work for him, but but we wanted to get the property sold. You made yeah, I don't know how to answer that question. I think what you're saying is you made that job really easy. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, I think if you can sell your project to the agent and the agent will have a lot more confidence to unsell that. I think if you if you're choosing an agent and he just can't see the positives in your project, then I think you need to move to a different agent. But I also think think in some respects you need to actually hold hold a lot of their hands because a lot of them are stuck in the sort of very bland marketing standard ways at the moment that everyone sort of does so i think if if you find an agent who's actually willing to change and and actually take some of the ideas that you're sort of suggesting i I think that's actually probably a good step to guess one of the better word inspiring him to do a better job in marketing yeah well given my background i always write the marketing copy and i'm closely involved with the marketing campaign but i'm always surprised at how bland a lot of the copy is and the the renders that get used. I think it's a real opportunity for other developers out there to get some emotion into their marketing and their copy and their renders just to yeah, create, so. create that emotional connection and a bit of excitement for the for people that be looking to buy. Yeah, no, that is actually a really good point. Look, the agent we actually used came back after the our campaign because he sold them. He actually sold those properties, I think, in about a week and a half, and that was four of them. And he came back and actually said to us, I can't believe the stuff that he actually sent to us worked. And we're like, well, oh, there you go. It's always good. <laughs> it's always good to because he was he wasn't um it wasn't that he wasn't receptive. He just thought the stuff that we gave him was unnecessary, like all the marketing. Um, yeah, so we wrote the marketing copy for that as well, or the ad copy for that. 
we uh, gave them the, a booklet of what we thought, you know, pictures, sales, all that sort of stuff. But I think they thought it was overkill. But when he actually started using it, he thought, oh, this has made my job easier. So, so it's not too bad. Uh, you obviously had priced them too low if they sold in a week and a half. Uh, it would appear so in the market at the moment. But <laughs> no, we actually got them above market prices a lot, a lot more than we were expecting. And so do you reuse the same agent or do you find someone um, new or d- depends on the area? We would use the same agent, but th- there's been situations where oh, we just feel like another agent is better for that product. But, yeah, but I would have no hesitation in using these guys again, but we just, yeah, haven't used them again, but I would, okay. if that makes sense. And at what stage do you start talking to agents? Uh, for the sales process? Yeah. Um, probably when we were close to getting the permit. Is probably when I would start talking to the agents, but yeah, that's flexible. Just depending on the situation, if we need to, if we know we need to get a few pre-sales, I might even do it a bit earlier. Yeah, it just depends on the situation. But it, but around the permit stage is probably not a bad stage to start engaging with agents because you know you're kind of near that point where you can start building, and you know what you're actually going to get on that side as well. Can you think of any weird or wonderful requests that you've had or situations you've had with builders or vendors or consultants? No, I haven't actually. I've actually been pretty lucky with our buyers. I haven't actually been too fussy. Everyone's been quite standard, quite standard and boring, (laughs) which is actually probably the good thing. Yeah, that is a good thing. (laughs) Now, if you could go back and change anything about your property developing history, what would it be? Definitely have to be... I wish we took it serious a lot earlier and that we did a lot more back then. Yeah, I mean, I think you'll probably get that answer from anyone that's that's done a site that's been successful. Yeah, definitely start sooner and trying to do a lot more. People want to find out more about you. Have you got a website or you're on Twitter or Facebook? Yeah, we've got a website, which is uh, hwdhomes.com.au. That's our business website. I'm not really... I'm not. I'm not a big uh, social media user, actually. So, so I'm not on Twitter. Or, I'm on Facebook, but I'm not on Twitter or anything. But you can check out my the uh, our business website if anyone wants a bit more information. Fantastic, Sunho Cow. I'm very grateful for your time. You're doing really amazing things, and I'm excited to see what you guys do over the next couple of years. Thanks for being on the Property Developer Podcast. Thanks, Justin. Well, how impressive is the progress Sunhock and his brother have made in the past few years? Talk about stepping it up a level. I love how these guys have committed to being successful developers and are putting the pieces in place to ensure they get even bigger and better. I think there is a lot we can learn from these two. And here's three things I picked up that I think are helpful to other developers. One, treat your developing as a business. I know many people who do developing on the side as a wealth creation strategy or maintain a job until they can become a full-time developer. And that's fine, but it doesn't mean that you need to treat your developing as a hobby. You can still plan, set out goals, and push for better results. And following on from that is my second lesson, the importance of goal setting. And not just a big, hairy, audacious goal, or a goal of finishing the development with a certain profit level, but weekly, monthly, six-monthly, and yearly goals, and check them daily or weekly. This is something I'm going to focus on in 2016, thanks to Sunhawk's advice. I often hear of elite athletes and hyper-successful business people when they are asked what makes them different from others, say it is because they read their goals daily, and it helps to keep them focused and inspired. I also believe that if when you read your goals, they don't inspire you, then they are the wrong goals. And finally, don't get too bogged down in the details. 
Yes, you need to know what people are working on or what you're signing, but you can't become an expert in every field as you need the time to solve other problems and grow your business. So hire the right people and leave them to deliver what you need. That's it for this episode. I hope you got something from it. If you did, then head over to iTunes and leave us a rating. Or head over to propertydeveloperpodcast.com and leave a comment in the show notes. You can leave a question for Sunhock and I'll see if I can get him to answer it for you. Thanks for listening in and may the property gods always be smiling on you. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com.